0: Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, Well, we continue in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're getting very close to the end of the chapter, and you may recall that Paul is giving us some principles for living a life that is worthwhile, a life that is well lived, something that surely all of us want to do, something that we'll wish we had done when we come to the end of our life, something that we hope others will recognize when we die and will say to others, they're someone who really lived a worthwhile life. They made their life count. And as Christians, of course, this is vitally important. Even unconverted people have aspirations that are somewhat similar to what I've just described, but only Christians can really understand the true meaning of this because we unlike others, understand that a life lived well upon the earth is lived for the life beyond earth. We have to live for eternity if we are going to have a worthwhile life in time. And that's what we understand and what others may not understand. In fact, could, usually do not understand. I would say almost certainly do not understand because to the unconverted person, a life well lived is a life that is lived for earthly success, earthly wealth, earthly honor, earthly prestige, even earthly benevolence, earthly help to other people, which is certainly a noble thing, more noble than many, but nevertheless is not the same as a life lived for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who is God Almighty who is our Creator, who is the one who gave us life, that we might fellowship with Him, worship Him, serve Him. That's our very purpose for living, our purpose for being created. And so the question is, when we come to the end of life, how well have we done that? How well have we utilized our God-given life and all of its all of its uh, accessories for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul helps us with that in this passage, and we will continue it on this Monday, November 21. We're thankful that you can join us, and we are grateful for those who financially support us. To cover quickly to the the two things that we have already examined, starting in verse 13, we find that a life well-lived is a life that has a well-grounded faith. I'll simply mention it, summarize it, and move on. But a well-grounded faith. Faith in the Word of God. Faith in what God has revealed to us as the, <laughs> the God of the universe that we can only know accurately through His own self-revelation. And when He reveals Himself to us, and we receive that revelation, that's a well-grounded faith. When he reveals his will to us, and we follow that will, that is a well-grounded faith. So, number one is a well-grounded faith. Number two is a clear purpose for living. This has to do with Paul's life and trials. When he says in verse 15, "...for all things are for your sakes." That grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound for the glory of God. The immediate purpose for his afflictions is given here, which is to benefit the people of God, that is for your sakes, and to multiply the people of God. The inevitable purpose is that thanksgiving may abound, because that means that worship is being given to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the ultimate purpose of all of this is to the glory of God. Now we move to the third one. The third item that must be in place if we're going to live life well upon the earth is to have a proper understanding of reality. And I'll show you what that means in a moment, but let's think about that. There are many people who go through life without even understanding what reality is about. all about. They have delusions, they have misconceptions, they have unrealistic thoughts and ideas about life that are not grounded in reality. And if we're going to live life well, we've got to understand reality. We've got to know what really is true and is not. We've got to know what is real and what is delusional. And so many live with unfounded delusions, and so to have a life well lived, we need to cut through all of that. And so what does that mean? Well, let's start with... The reality of bodily declension. Now, this one, most people, I think, do understand, but we've got to get our minds around it and act according to it. Therefore, he tells us in verse 16, we do not lose heart, for though our outward man is perishing. The reality of bodily declension. The outward man is perishing. That, of course, is our, our body, our physical existence, and it is Perishing, present tense. It is constantly perishing. It is constantly decaying. The older you get, the more the reality of that sinks in. Though some people seem to be in denial of that even to the end of their lives, but that's rare in my experience. Most people begin to get that after a while, but a lot of young people don't get that. They think they're going to live forever. Now, Objectively, they wouldn't say that they would they would they would say, "Oh, I know that's not true, but that's the way they live. They live as if they're going to live forever. They live as as if their youthful body is never going to change. They are living in a delusion they're not living in reality. The reality is that our bodies are decaying, and we've got to take that into account. That is a fact of life. And the declension is inevitable. The only way to avoid it is to die young. And, of course, we don't choose the time of our death, and some do die young by God's design. But if you're going to to outlive your youth, you are going to experience increasing declension and we might even say accelerating declension. And it's impossible to change and it's foolish to deny. And therefore, reality says that we understand this and prepare for it. The reality of bodily declension. What else? The reality of spiritual renewal. Because the verse goes on. <clears throat> even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The outward man is the body. The inward man is the soul or the spirit. And that's being renewed in the life of a Christian, of course. Unconverted people know nothing of this. Unconverted people cannot expect this. They cannot experience this. But Christians can and do, and we need to understand this, it's a rather interesting reality, isn't it, that though the outward man is declining, the inward man is increasing. The outward man is losing strength. The inward man is gaining strength. The outward man is perishing. The inward man is enjoying a an ever-increasing and more vigorous life. The inward man is being renewed it is receiving new life constantly it is continually being reinvigorated that's what we would love to happen to our bodies that our bodies instead of declining would would continue to get some mysterious infusion of youth and life so that we can go on and live forever and that's the that's the stuff of dreams but that's not reality That's the stuff sometimes of movies and television programs, but that's not reality, but that even predates television. That goes back to the fabled fountain of youth, that somewhere there is something that if I could drink that, then my my body would be renewed, and I I would... turn back the clock. I would reverse the clock. I would be able to go back to my youth and have the same strength and vigor I had when I'm 60 that I had when I was 20. Wouldn't that be nice? But you see, that's not reality. Reality is that our bodies are perishing. Please understand that and take that into account. Many years ago, when I was 36, I'm twice that and a little more now, but when I was 36, I had a very aggressive, fast-growing cancer. And the doctor told me, very frankly, if we don't treat it, you'll be dead in three to six months. If we do treat it, the treatment itself is going to be so severe that it's going to weaken your body Significantly, it's going to age you prematurely. And so he said to me, "We can we can defeat this cancer. We've learned how to do it. It takes massive doses of chemotherapy, and this was the chemotherapy that was available in the nineteen eighties. I understand that they have forms of chemotherapy chemotherapy that are not quite as damaging to the body now. Though I don't think there are any that are that are totally non-damaging, but they have improved. But He said to me, so here's what we think will happen. If you let us treat you, we think your chances of defeating the cancer are very, very high. Not guaranteed, but very high. It's likely that we can eliminate the cancer. But in the process, what we have to do to eliminate it means that you can expect to have about 15 years of good health, and then 10 years of failing health as the damage that the chemotherapy does to all of your organs begins to Manifest itself, and he said, I'm, I'm just telling you this for your own planning and your own ability to make the right decision that I would not expect you to live much, much past the age of 60. So, what was I learning? Well, I was learning a prediction about the decline of my body and the time of my death, which, in an interesting way, proved not to be the case. And I didn't experience very many of the things which the doctor predicted for me, and I certainly will not go into all the details on that. I'm not going to bore you with an organ recital. But all that to say that I have lived with reality of bodily declension, both genuine, because this treatment did have severe effects upon my body, and anticipated, which turned out to be, more expected than actually occurred by the grace of God. I was spared much of this so that I've now lived many years, more than a decade beyond my predicted expiration point. (laughs) And though I'm not without any health problems, I'm in relatively good health, and isn't that wonderful? So the Lord has renewed my body, but... I deal with declining health like you do, like we all do. Our bodies wear out. But isn't it wonderful that even though our bodies wear out, our inward man goes in the opposite direction. It grows. It expands. It becomes reinvigorated. It takes on new life. And that's reality for the child of God. We'll continue it tomorrow. Until then, good day. May God give you his eternal peace.